0: Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark, and I'm Jeff. Cheers! Cheers. All right, mm, and this is a Syrah. That's very delicious.
1: That's funny. I think it's a little young. Oh, really? Uh, well, <laughs> okay. yeah. I I'm hypercritical of my own wines.
0: I can imagine. Sure. I would be if I if I I think I'm hypercritical of everything i do so it makes sense
1: i uh i had long time ago one of my first careers i had a friend who said that you should change careers about every 10 years mm-hmm. otherwise you get stale well um pretty much right out of high school i worked as a photographer for about 10 years eh, eight years and i've shot hundreds of thousands of frames mm-hmm. i've taken five good pictures in my life
0: really <laughs>
1: just a tiny bit hypercritical
0: yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe
1: uh, so this is a 2016 Syrah, La Vie ensemble Syrah. Uh, the Syrah came from Dorsetch Family Vineyards over on Wattsville Road in uh, Gilroy, California. And uh, it's their new release. It was actually today. Oh. It's, it's, I was going to say it's his birthday. I guess that's not right, but it's his release <laughs> day.
0: Okay.
1: And um, it's a little young in bottle. We're a small winery, and one of the things that we run into a lot is having to release wines a little early because we either sell out, which we did in the case of the 15 Syrah, or to provide new wines for the wine club. We'll release wines a little early. So uh, you've heard of Bottle Shock, of course. Bottle Shock, I think, lasts about nine months in our wines. Mm. This has been in bottle for about six. Okay. Okay. So I think that it's a little out of balance. I think the oak's a little too prevalent. The fruit hasn't come back forward. I think it's missing some body. It's a little light. It's not as round and smooth as it should be. I think it's a fine wine, mm-hmm. but it's going to be way better. Give in it three, three months. months? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Three, three more
0: months. Okay. Excellent. Well, as noted, we're out here at, and let's see if I can get it right this time, uh, La, Vie, La Vie de Sang.
1: Better than I can say it. That was perfect. Oh, okay,
0: cool. Well, you know, as bad as I butchered it on our on our last episode, <laughs> um, I will take that. Um, so glad to be back out here and, and visiting with you again, and and kind of talking. And uh, so today we're going to talk about barrel tasting, uh, which is tasting wine out of the barrel, pretty rather much rather
1: than licking barrels. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be much better than that, uh, for sure. For sure. Um, so, th- so this is something that that I I don't know I've always kind of thought was fun and 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 cool or, or somewhat unique. Uh, I don't know how what your thoughts or feelings are and you can share it. I know you guys have one I think coming up in a few weeks so by the time this is aired it probably will have already happened
1: right It probably was a week ago by the time this airs is February 22nd in our uh, winery building here in Gilroy. Uh, We are doing a barrel tasting. We do it once a year, usually in the spring. Uh, We bottle in April and August. We bottle usually the whites and maybe one or two uh, strange reds, Morvedra, Carignone, things like that, non-big Syrah type reds in Mm -hmm. the spring. And then we bottle the bulk of our reds in the fall. Okay, and so we do the barrel tasting generally right before bottling, and then people can taste what it tastes like right before it gets into the bottle, and about a year later they can taste it in the bottle.
0: Yeah, and so that usually happens for wine scene. Well, it, well, it sounds like twice a year, depending on the type of wine, or I guess maybe even on the winery. Um, yeah. So for you, it'd be twice, but so normally I, I saw it happen more springish because uh, you harvest and then you age and then your bottling spring is that
1: yeah it's uh, it does happen in the spring and uh you sort of hit on why uh the reason we do our bottling in march and april is because we're not doing anything else oh okay (laughs) it's a pretty in a winery business you're really busy and then you're not and then you're really busy and then you're not so harvest of course runs september to call it november this year december you have no time for anything else january you're recovering February, you're starting to think about, okay, what are we going to do this year and things like barrel tastings. And then uh, by the time we get the glass here and the corks and the capsules, all the logistics, it's generally about 1st of April before we get a chance to bottle. Okay. And then by the time you get to May, May is wine strolls. Mm -hmm. There's like 12 wine strolls all on three weekends. And uh, then you're in June, which is busy here with, you know, barbecues and people and things going when on.
0: Vacations and people coming in to visit yeah, and nope. yeah, or just enjoying the weather. Yeah. And
1: then you blink and suddenly it's August and you're cleaning equipment, getting ready for harvest. <laughs> wow. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> it's
0: fast. It is fast. Well, I, guess, I guess it kind of goes without saying, again, we don't necessarily need to fully define it. I mean, you, it, you're you've got the wine in the barrel and you're aging it. And so what would happen is you, you know, basically pop the, the cork or the bung, the bung, um, and uh, and then you allow people to taste and you do that right before bottling. I mean, is there? I mean, it's pretty
1: basic that direction, yes. Well, it is, but it's it's probably a little more complex okay. uh, than you think. Okay. So uh, wine sits in a in an oak barrel, uh, and not all wine is barreled, but um, a lot of wine is. Most probably most wines. We're about fifty fifty, I think. Um, so the wine sits in the barrel for about a year, year and a half, and it gets maintained every two weeks we go in and we top it up. You'd be amazed how much wine evaporates.
0: The angel share. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah the wine I that- suppose
1: so. That's that what I've heard. What they call yeah, it. they call it the angel, yeah.
0: which is what evaporates out of the barrel. And and wow. I was actually surprised. That's it's a large percentage. Those it's angels 10%. like their wine. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's like ten percent. Um it's probably so each barrel holds about three hundred bottles. That's a weird esoteric term that nobody ever thinks about, but it's about three hundred bottles. I'd always wondered about that, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, two hundred and twenty five liters, sixty gallons, about three hundred bottles. 23 to
0: 24 cases Okay, although you're losing At least a case or so Case and a half to the Angels At least okay. it's
1: um, So it's about uh, Depends on the humidity If it's really dry out Then uh, a lot more evaporates If it's a little moisture A lot of wineries will have humidifiers But that's a problem because you get too much humidity You get mold and mildew So mm. you're always balancing it in, uh, in our winery, I think we run about 45% humidity, which is a little bit low, but I don't want to use humidifiers. You also, we store our case goods in the same winery, and uh, little known fact, uh, packing tape lets go at about 75% humidity. Ah, okay. The tape just fails, okay. and then your cases fall apart. So um, we run about 45% humidity. We lose about two-thirds of a bottle of wine per month. Oh, wow. Okay. So if it's in barrel for 12 months or so, you know, you're losing eight bottles. So if it's 18 months, you're losing a case. Mm-hmm. So a case of wine, that's only 5%. But that's it's losing between 5 and 10% depending on humidity per year. Yeah. Okay. So here's an interesting thought. You look at a bottle of wine, and in fact, I was feeding you some Grenache earlier, and I said it's 100% Grenache. Yeah. Is it? Well, in this well, case, I'm assuming, <laughs> as the
0: winemaker, you tell me that it is. I, <laughs> I have learned that that it has to be, what is it, 80%? Is
1: 75.
0: Right? 75%. Okay, of whatever Base number 75. they call it.
1: So. Yeah, so we'll step just slightly aside for that. Okay, so if it says Cabernet on the label, by law, it's at least 75% Cabernet. Now, local jurisdictions, uh, that's federal. Local can make it more. Uh, there's places, there's uh, AVAs, American Viticultural Areas in Napa, little subregions of Napa, where they say 85 or maybe even 90. Um, you'd mentioned earlier that you live in Portland, Oregon. A mm-hmm. lot of good Pinot up there. I love Willamette Valley Pinos.
0: Yes. <laughs> well,
1: Willamette Valley says it has to be 95%. Wow, okay. So it, it's the federal government says it has to be 75% Pinot. And they then say, nope, we want it to be 95%. And that has to do with the fact that a lot of years ago, Pinot producers were found to be doctoring the Pinot with Syrah. Oh. It gives it a little more body, a little more color, a little more complexity, which is all good. But they were claiming it was 100% Pinot. Yeah. So and now they're, they're...
0: therein is your problem. You can't claim 100%. I right. mean, you can. Well, they were saying Pinot, mm-hmm. and
1: people thought it was
0: 100%. Okay. Got it. Got it.
1: Anyway, um, so. You're right that it's 75%, but when I report to the government what's in that wine, I'm allowed topping wine. So when I replace that case of wine over the 18 months, technically I can kind of put whatever I want in it and don't have to say a word about it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, in a smaller winery like ours, we actually do top each wine with the wine that it, it was. The Syrah is topped with Syrah, the Grenache with, with Grenache. Uh, okay, honestly, I topped the Petite Syrah with Syrah. I don't have a lot of (laughs) Petit (laughs) Syrahs. But um, in bigger wineries where you have a thousand barrels, a lot of times what they'll do is they will actually ferment a topping wine, which may be a field blend or it may be a blend of their primary components, a, a little bit of Cabernet and Merlot and Cab Franc all put together. And they will use that wine to top all of them. So if they're doing that, by the end of the day, that 100% Cabernet could actually be up to about five percent Merlot, mm-hmm. without anybody having to. And there, nobody's trying to, nobody's trying to fake it or or no, fool no. anybody. Yeah. It's just the logistics.
0: Yeah. No. And it makes sense. And it makes sense. Sure. And you pick those comments so that you can blend it with everything, and it blends right in with the flavor, smooths it out, and and everybody's good. Right. It makes I, a better wine. I, I, and that's the bottom line. Saying if it's making a good wine. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I don't think anybody's complaining.
1: So I don't know how we got on that exactly from barrel tasting. (laughs) So from barrel, yeah,
0: yeah. So, okay. So it's uh, in the barrel. Oh, you're talking we lose the- Oh, we lose the angel share. The angel share. Uh And then you're topping it back off.
1: Right. So we do that. um, We do it every two weeks. Uh, What we're trying to do is avoid air. Uh, Oxygen is the enemy of wine. The things that we do to wine, things like oak and uh, tannin and things like that, those are actually natural antioxidants. So the more oak, the more tannin, the longer the wine will last. Part of the reason we put it in a wood barrel is because it picks up all that tannin from the oak itself. But air is the, the enemy. So we keep, when that evaporation happens, we go in every two weeks and we put more wine in to keep no headspace, to keep it full to the top.
0: Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. I, I hadn't. I, I mean, I knew the angel share came off. I had assumed it just disappeared, and I had heard about topping off, but for whatever reason, I assumed that was kind of done at the end. Um, but so you're going through and continually doing it to keep it completely mm-hmm. full, so that it's minimal exposure to the oxygen, which is why you you know leave a bottle of wine open somewhere you know for too long. Right. It's not going to be good.
1: <laughs> right. A little oxygen's great. That's why you open wine, you decant it, and you let it breathe. Mm-hmm. But a lot of oxygen's bad. And so we at the winery want to keep as little oxygen in it as we can so that when you get it, it's pristine and then whatever you do with it is, you know, going to help it a little bit and then eventually we'll hurt it. But yeah, (laughs) so, um, yeah, so we take care of the barrels. We top them. We do it every two weeks. Most wineries probably every month or so. It's okay. It depends on the humidity. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so it sits in there for about 18 months we're getting ready to bottle it. So, we'll do a barrel tasting before we bottle. And that's our way of sharing with our wine club and their guests and, and some of the public uh, a look at the upcoming wines. It's educational, it's fun. Who doesn't love standing in a winery drinking wine right out of the barrel?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I've done it a few times and it is. It's really super cool and fun, yeah.
1: I think. Yeah. Now, is it is it useful? I mean, is it a tool for a, a an average person to actually learn about the wines? Yeah, maybe maybe not one of the things about being a winemaker and spending a lot of time doing this year after year is that you learn where wines go you can taste a wine now and you can know where it's going to be in three months or six months or a year and think about this if you're in a winery and you're doing a barrel tasting if it's just a straight barrel tasting they pop the bung they they use a wine thief sometimes
0: yeah I, that's a term i don't want to go by because i i like the term wine thief because that's what well i guess sometimes but that's what you're pulling it out of the barrel with general i guess if you're using that particular tool and i just i just think that's fun a wine thief and you're (laughs) taking a little out and then tasting it but go ahead
1: it's like being (laughs) a kid and you've got your coke and you've got a straw and you put your thumb over the straw and you pick it up and it pulls up liquid yeah the wine thief's the same thing just does more
0: Okay, which is, again, still, I like the term, I like the fun. And and it is very simple, I guess. I didn't realize it was quite that simple. Yeah, (laughs) it's just a tube
1: with a hole on the end. That's all it is.
0: But call it a wine thief, and and it gets people like me all suckered in, and and we're excited. Go marketing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, winemaking is about 85% marketing. Yeah. (laughs) The stories we could tell. So, uh, yeah, we're pulling wine out of the barrel with a wine thief, and uh, you're tasting wine that's not done. So part of the problem with, with wine... Tasting out of a barrel is that let's say you're you're trying a barrel of Cabernet. Well, when we go to bottle that, we're gonna bottle that barrel, but we're also gonna bottle the other six or eight or ten or twelve, or if it's a big one, or the other fifty behind it. And every barrel's different. They've all aged a little different, they all taste a little different. Not not hugely, but enough that you would probably notice if you tried. You know, that's why we go through once or twice, you know, a year and taste all the barrels to see that they're all going the same direction. It's how we figure out reserve wines. Hey, we have 10 barrels and these two taste significantly better. These are now the reserves. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I knew, I knew that from, uh, whiskey our episode on whiskey right and i mean literally where it sits in the warehouse front back whether it's up high down high low, low all of that will dramatically affect how it's going to age so i didn't realize it was had as much of an effect on on wine as well
1: yeah um uh, actually when we were talking about the angel share the barrels on the high rack uh lose twice as much as the ones on the low oh. the ones near the roll-up door lose more than the ones in the back corner Okay. You can you could do a plot. I mean, I'm pretty geeky and I love spreadsheets. You could probably do a really neat little plot of how much wine in which location. That's actually a good idea. Then I could figure out where to put the barrels to lose less wine.
0: Oh, there you go. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then market that. And then and then you put the, the, put uh, into a an program app. and yeah, make an <laughs> app and sell that one out there. And, and there you go. The, the reserves. So. And So in addition to kind of it just aging the different ways, and and I know every reserve, we've covered this, I think it's it's a very, can be used very liberally depending on right. how the winemaker wants to. But if it's being used properly, it is usually done for uh, wine that they consider a little bit better, a little bit more special, whatever. So like you're saying in this particular case, you've got, I don't know, 10 whatever barrels, these two, those are the ones you're going to say, hey, these are my reserve.
1: Right. I I tend to, for the reserve wines, I will look at the 10 barrels, and I actually do this because I keep two reserve barrels of Grenache and Syrah from every vintage. And um, I will pull 20% of what I feel are the best tasting wines. At that time, wine changes, Mm -hmm. but at the time we separate it, I'll pull those two barrels and call them Markham Reserve. I usually let them sit, they'll sit in oak a little longer um, they may get a little different treatment. Um, it, it's hard to say what we do, but those would be the better wines. Not that there's anything wrong with the regular wines, but when we, the regular wines tend to get blended and blending, um, it does I was going to say covers flaws. There's not any flaws really, but blending uh, averages things, amortizes things. Oh, there you things, go. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's less important that they're the better wines because when you mix it with two or three other wines, that's going to be hidden anyway, mm-hmm. so um, we'll pull the the two barrels across as uh, reserve barrels, and we'll keep them that way, and then they they last longer. We we bottled the others first.
0: Okay, but so we started this with it because so they they're tasting out of the one that you you said okay this a is random one where, barrel a random barrel right, and so that this is speaking to so they're tasting what's in this barrel, um, and but which may not match the other ten. Or nine, I guess. If there's or ten, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Ex- yeah, ten right. for the example, um, and then uh, so carry on. So you're just kind of saying for their experience, so. sure. For
1: your experience, okay. So uh, when you go to a barrel tasting, you're you're tasting out of one barrel, and it may be it may actually be the best barrel you don't know, or it may not be. It is just a barrel, and it is a long way from finished wine. So it's young, so it's tart and it's tannic, and it tastes like wood. Um, it hasn't been blended at all. Even wines that say they're, uh, you know, it says Cabernet on the label, a lot of times they'll have at least 5 or 6% Merlot, a little Cab Franc. All grapes are good for one thing, right? They, they, One like Grenache is big and round in the middle, like a Merlot. Well, we'll stick to Bordeaux. So Merlot is big and round in the middle. And Cabernet is blueberry and cassis up front. It's a lot of fruit. And Petit Verdot is purple and has beautiful color malbec it adds it has acidity and brightness to the wine cab franc is backbone it's tannin it'll make that wine last well all those grapes by themselves are kind of boring but you throw them together and you get an amazing wine so blending is a great thing mm-hmm. we talked about the label saying cabernet means it's at least 75 percent well that's because there's probably a few other things to make it a better wine yeah now you're tasting a barrel and it says cabernet well it's probably cabernet
0: oh so this oh that's true because this is Probably pre-blending. I mean, there's a little bit of top off, but otherwise, right? yeah, it's pre-blend. Okay.
1: So it's nothing. You know, we we have people that like to buy futures of our Syrah based on our barrel tasting. Well, and and I'll explain in a few minutes why that's okay. But in general, it's kind of crazy because you're trying a wine that's nowhere near finished and it's probably not even tweaked to the final anything. Hasn't been fined. Hasn't been filtered. Nothing's been done to it. And you're trying to guess what it's going to be like in a year.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's a little bit what you were saying too, is I, as the consumer, as, as
1: the end user, the end or user or whatever, whatever I want to call yeah. it. Yeah. The
0: guy who knows, you know, let, let's say even know more than I know now. Um, I have nowhere near the level of experience that you have. That, like you said, you're constantly tasting it, and you kind of have been doing this for a while. So you're kind of knowing, okay, it's going to go this direction, um, and and this is where it's going to go. I tasting it again. I still think it's really fun and really oh, cool. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But, uh, and and I have heard you taste it next to the the current vintage, or and maybe even an older vintage, and that can kind of maybe Here's it in the barrel. Here's this and here's that, and that can kind of, but even then, again, we know each year could go different directions, but but that can kind of help maybe me as knowing little, kind of kind of know, okay, here it is, fresh out of the barrel, here it is after a year or so in a bottle or whatever, and then get some kind of an idea of, of what changes.
1: right. Yeah, that's a great way to learn. So as a winemaker, barrel tasting is an incredible tool. And we do it every month or two. We'll we'll try all the barrels just to see where they are and have an idea where we're going. But I know where it's going to end up. I can tell you a couple years in advance. And part of that may be that I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to add a little of this, I'm going to do a little of that. So this isn't quite what I want, but I know how to get it there. Yeah. You as a as a, a visitor, as a guest, for you, it's a great social experience. It's a lot of fun, and we really love doing it, and we love seeing how people enjoy it. But if you're using that to make decisions about what wine to buy, that may not be the right way to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, and to go back, you're saying, so they're tasting the Syrah, which may not be the finalized Syrah. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're saying it may not be a bad idea either, though, because...
1: Well, it'll give you an idea, and you had a good idea of tasting the current alongside it. When we do the barrel tasting, I generally do, well, last year, I don't know what we're going to do in two weeks, that's... We're we're sort of a hot mess. We don't figure out exactly what we're going to do until pretty much the day of.
0: Ah, Wing it, I like yeah, it exactly. It works. <laughs> it's been working for us.
1: But um, last year for the barrel tasting, we did the um, we had the 15 Syrah, which was currently in barrel, the current release. We did the 16, which was going to be bottled a week later. We did the 17, which is still in a settling tank last year, or in a holding tank. So you had three. It was a vertical. Nice. And yeah. the 15 was delicious. It was ready to drink. The 16 was young, but you could see promise. And the 17 was damn near undrinkable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just the way it is.
0: Yeah. But and that's kind of, I think, fun for me uh, right. coming in as a consumer to kind of say, well, that's damn near undrinkable, but it's going to potential to turn into right. this. Yeah. yeah, This yeah. is
1: where it starts. Yeah. So that's why it's fun. It's it's educational and that's why we love doing it. As a tool for actually making decisions about wine purchase, eh, probably not the best. But I did say that I'd tell you how we do it, and we do cheat a little bit, to make it actually kind of worthwhile. So the wine that we're going to barrel taste, and we will barrel taste the 17 Syrah in two weeks. So I said I didn't know, but we will do that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Next week, I will pull out the 17 barrels and we'll taste them all, and we'll pick a fairly average barrel. And we will rack the wine. Now, racking is when you pull the wine out of a vessel, a barrel, a tank, and there's always some settling in the bottom, a little bit of old yeast, lees, things like that. We'll clean out the barrel really good. We'll steam it and get it nice and clean. We'll check the wine. I may add a little of the reserve or something. I will get the wine fairly close to how we're going to bottle it. Oh, okay. And I'll put it back in the barrel. Got it. Okay. So our dirty little secret is you come to our barrel tasting and you're going to taste a wine that's pretty close to what's going to be barreled or bottled in okay. just another minute I won't tell something. anybody. Well, it's a better experience. Well,
0: you just told everybody we're good. But no, it is. I think it is a better experience. You alluded to this a little bit earlier, the buying the futures in the wine, right? Oh, so I hate so. futures. Oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. And, and I wasn't quite sure how I felt about that because partly because... Now, the way you do it, I'd be able to taste it and have at least a rough idea of where right. I think it's going to end up right. with. Otherwise, I'd taste it, and and I've got to be honest. I mean, especially, too, like you're saying, it, it may be undrinkable or it may be very tannic. It may be whatever, and I'm going to be sitting there going, like, I'm not going to know where this is going to end up. And and I am I guess that's why it's called futures. It is almost like <laughs> gambling or betting or stock market kind of a thing, but I, I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of like tasting a bottle and knowing I like it and buying it. But in some places you, you know, I guess that's the only way you can get it. So
1: yeah, there are some, some wineries, especially Pinot wineries that you can only get it if you buy the futures. Uh, we started doing barrel tastings about three years ago because it's fun. It's fun. It is fun for us and it's fun for our guests. And, um, we were asked if we would sell futures and I didn't want to do it. Honestly, it's, it's sort of a bookkeeping nightmare for us because you have taking your money and then I have, I have your stuff. So I have to show it on my PNL and uh, it's kind of a nightmare. Now on the plus side for us, if you buy a future, that means I can use that money to bottle the wine, which is a small winery. That's no small thing. (laughs) Yep. If I can sell a few cases of futures, I can actually buy glass. So that's kind of cool. Um, for your benefit futures were generally at a reduced price. So maybe 40% off by the case. Wow. So you get a good deal. So it's good for you. And it's good for me. It's a bookkeeping nightmare. And I, but I don't like selling people an unfinished wine. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be fine, but maybe it won't, you know, maybe something goes wrong or maybe they decide later they don't like it. Now they're They've already they've paid they got for a this. case or whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So I'm not a big fan of futures. I think that futures make sense if it's the only way you can get the wine. I think they make sense if you're getting a screaming deal on the wine by doing it that way. Um, the only reason they make sense for the winery is you get the money up front. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want wine to be about money. I want wine to be about wine. That makes sense. So for me, I we do sell futures because we've been asked. We've... No, and People it makes wanna.
0: sense too. And I can kind of see that. Like if I like everything else you've done or, or you know, this, you know, Syrah, we had the Grenache, um, you know, and if I'm liking that and uh, then I'm trusting that you're going to take it someplace I I know you're going to like it and I'm going to get it at a good discount, then yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. So I can see it from that, that, that point. So yeah. Okay. So you buy the futures. Okay. So uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts on... Because I have a couple of things I want to run by you, but I, I don't. I want to make sure you're past, uh, or you've said everything you have to say. No, I,
1: I just I'll summarize what I think about barrel tasting. Yeah, mm. I love doing it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Its usefulness, not so much. But as a social event where we can all hang out in the winery and I can show you my winery, can drink some wine together, maybe eat some little nibbles. It's a wonderful event. So we love doing it. Um, I encourage everybody to do it. I encourage you to come to barrel tastings. You get to certainly meet the winemaker and you get to hang out in the winery. How cool is that?
0: That's super cool. Always cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to run these by you because I saw these. I don't know how accurate they are, so it's always fun to check the internet against somebody who actually does it. <laughs> um, oh, fun. Yeah. So this one says uh, there's three things you should look for in tasting if you're barrel tasting, especially if you're thinking futures. So this is this is what the interwebs tell us. <laughs> um uh, first of all, you should look for fruit uh, or, or look for the fruit. It should be balanced, not super sweet and not kind of green tasting just because if I uh, it, over time, if like if it's super sweet now, it's it's going to get kind of continued that maybe possibly down that road. If it's if it's really green now, it may be over or not properly ripe, uh, things like that in the grape. So that's something to kind of look for is a balanced fruit response <laughs>
1: uh is <laughs> a dog scratching at the barrel
0: yes noe noelani noelani the
1: winery dog yeah she's telling me it's time to go home uh-uh. she's like where's my kibble <laughs> um I, okay i agree but not exactly for the way it was stated okay the reason i agree is that um when you age wine Generally, uh, the oak will start out a little too strong. So oak kind of balances fruit, right? Oak is bitter. Oak is uh, tannic. Fruit is sweet. Fruit is... Um, it, it, the oak counters the fruit. You can add oak to hide sweetness. Hide sweet, Balance. Balance is better. Word. You can add oak to balance sweetness. Because sweet doesn't necessarily mean there's sugar in the wine. It could mean that it's just really fruity. Mm-hmm. In which case, I would say there's too much fruit for it and not enough oak. Good balance means that the wine's not sweet, it's fruity, but it, it, it's, not, it's balanced with a little bit of bite from the oak. So in a barrel or pre-bottled wine, oak should be slightly more noticeable than the fruit. The reason is as it ages in the bottle, oak goes away. Oak will drop off and fruit will come forward. So if you're tasting wine in a barrel and it's too fruity right now, it's going to be way fruity later. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons we we do barrel tasting is if we feel it's a little fruity, we will actually add oak to it. We can add oak, well, we don't use chips or anything. We use oak staves, little pieces of wood that we can put into our barrels. Um, I don't know if you want to get into it, but we use neutral barrels. We don't buy new barrels. I like three-year-old, formerly white barrels for my barrels.
0: Yeah, and that's fine. And we don't need to, we did a (laughs) barreling episode, so they can go back and listen on that one. Excellent, Um, excellent. Uh, and or we can dive deeper into that at, at some but point. I, so. I
1: agree with what they said. You don't want it to be too fruity at fruit at barrel tasting. It should be a little too oaky at barrel tasting to end up where you want it to be in the next year or so.
0: Yeah, Which actually also answers the one they said it should not be all oak flavor because that was going to dissipate over time. And if all you're tasting is the oak, that's not much promise to the flavors that are going to come out after that. Is that. So
1: in Pinot's barrel tasting a Pinot, it'll be mostly Oak because Pinot's a very delicate flavor and mm-hmm. Oak's a very strong flavor. But what that means is you're going to have to wait longer for the fruit to come back forward.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And then last but not least, uh, the tannin should be strong, but smooth. I mean, and it shouldn't like, I don't know. I, I have honestly no idea what that means. So, uh, Tell me your last thoughts on tannins, and, and then we'll...
1: Okay. So tannins come from uh, a couple places, three places. Um, they come from the seeds, they come from the skins, and they come from the oak that it sits in. And tannins can be harsh. They're the dry feeling in your mouth, a little harshness, mostly on the finish. Um, you want a nice balance of them. Skin and seed tannins uh it provides structure to the wine they don't last as long as oak tannins oak tannin is uh, a very strong bitter flavor so you want a balance you don't if you're trying the wine and it it, it tastes like licking a, an oak box or <laughs> if it just dries the back of your tongue and and you just want a glass of water afterwards that's not smooth that that's a rough tannin harsh tannin bitter tannin which can go away with time. I mean, if you go if you go to Bordeaux and you try a 2019 Cabernet in a barrel tasting right now, which by the way, they won't let you do yeah. for this very reason, it will just strip your tongue. It'll be nasty harsh. Hmm. Now, 20 years from now, it's going to be a beautiful wine, mm-hmm. but we don't drink wine like that here. So if you're barrel tasting and it's a little bit of fruit and a whole lot of just really harsh dryness in the back of your mouth that's not going to be a wine you're going to want to drink for an awful long time, if ever. Mm-hmm. And it may never come around. It's hard to say. Okay. But you're looking for something where there's, um, it's fruit and it's, it's a little drying and it's a little acidic, but it's balanced and it's not making you gag.
0: Got it. Well, and, and all things told, even if it did everything wrong here or everything right here, at the end of the day, the winemaker is going to be, doing their magic and so it may or may not be whatever you taste and or again over time it's gonna it's gonna take its journey guided right. by the winemaker um, so uh, well,
1: it's an easy answer right yeah. so you go do your barrel tasting have a great time and and socialize and, and drink some wine from the barrel and take your pictures which is really cool yep and then afterwards go to the tasting room try the current wines if you like those regardless of what you tasted in the barrel That's where they're going to end up. Because we don't want to disappoint you. So I know that um, for instance, our Syrah last year, everybody loved. So my the next vintage, the 16 over the 15, is going to be fairly similar. Now they're okay, having said that ours are actually drastically different, but (laughs) but I let everybody know, and we've we've been talking to people about the direction we're going. Mm -hmm. But you can come to the tasting room, you can taste the wines, and if you like all the wines, the chances are you're going to like the the wine that was in the barrel, regardless of what it tasted like. That's where it's going to end up.
0: Excellent. I love it. I love it. All right. So if somebody wants more information, where
1: can they find you? Uh, On the web, www.laviedonsan.com. And this time I'll spell it for you if I can. It's L-A-V-I-E-D-A-N-S-A-N-T-E-W-I-N-E-S.com. And I swear to God, I'm going to change that to LVD Wine real soon so it's easier <laughs> there you go uh also of course facebook under la vie danson wines uh twitter pinterest instagram we're pretty good on the social channels
0: all the places excellent and for the unsophisticated palette we're at the unsophisticated uh rate us tell your friends all that other good stuff and until next time drink responsibly cheers cheers